Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, we're back. We are uh, on the road. We're actually in the car, but we're not actually driving because we wanted to be quiet for you while we talk. I wonder, we would never drive while we're doing a radio show. That oh, would be, yeah. That would be extremely unsafe and it would set a bad example. Uh, I think that's why we don't... They deleted some of the early shows because we did it from the car. It was very noisy. Anyway, we welcome you back. We hope that you've had a good week or day or whatever it is that you're having today. We really um, appreciate your being with us. We are going to talk about something really fun today. And, Linda, you got to be careful moving around because we've got the, the, the phone on speakerphone, and here you are squirming around. Linda's very animated. If you... If you were to uh, tie Linda's hands behind her, she could not talk. She would not be able to say anything. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm going to try that sometime, by the way. Now let's get serious here, uh, listeners. Go. We are uh, – let me pose a question to you. Why is it that most parents have sort of an inborn desire or hope or sometimes even an obsession – that one or more of their children will sort of carry on their life's work. Now, you see that very obviously in, in uh, a lot of the work we do where we go out and speak to corporate groups and, and the uh, CEO or the president is grooming one or more of his children to take over the company. You see it with attorneys who are hopeful that at least one of their kids will study law and carry on their tradition. You see it in medicine. You see it in all kinds of places. But, Linda, little did we ever dream. Well, let me give a little background. You know, way back in in England, 30 or 35 years ago, while we were there doing voluntary church work, we sort of changed our focus from an interest in politics and in trying to change the world, ha, 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 by political office and so on, we kind of shifted to a desire to serve and help and write to and speak to families because it became so obvious to us that most of the problems in the world stem from problems in families and most of the good things in the world seem to stem from good, solid families. So we launched on this kind of odd, kind of not very usual career of writing books and speaking to parents and trying to strengthen families. And it ended up that we chaired the White House Conference on Families under Ronald Reagan and served on some presidential boards about education and families and so on. But the point is... It really never occurred to us that any of our children, even though we have nine children, that any of them would sort of pick up the baton and become in many ways even much more effective than we've ever been in being a voice for strong, natural families and for prioritizing parents and spouses above everything else in the world. But wow, just in the last five years or so, the baton has really been picked up by our kids, and we thought we'd tell you a little about that and give a little tribute, a little credit to them today. You know, it really is true. Our oldest daughter, Saren, along with a wonderful young mother named April Perry, um, 
met about five years ago, and uh, through a long series of events, I met April when we were in Boston originally, and then we had lunch together, and then I said, you should meet my daughter, you have the same uh, passion for motherhood and so on, and lo and behold, they are best friends. She lives in California, and Saren lives in Ogden, Utah. But Saren's name is now Saren Iyer Loosely. And boy, oh boy, have they ever put together a remarkable organization. I mean, I'm just blown away by power of moms. And many of you know about it because it's sort of sweeping the country in terms of popularity, powerofmoms.com. And how would you describe it, Linda? I mean, it's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. Well, you know, they started out saying, you know, it's, as a mother, a lot of times you just feel like you're just trying to survive the day. And I I remember those days so well when all of our children were home. It was chaos much of the time. And I just had such a need to be able to talk to other mothers and to be away on my own for a little bit and think about my life and so on. And I think that is what really helped me to thrive and to just survive. And, and they just took that idea of really being deliberate about motherhood and made it into an amazing website. And, but it's not only a website. I mean, you, you go on powermoms.com and you'll see a, a plethora of different options, programs for teaching children various things from values to responsibilities, but also learning circles and other ways that moms get together and help each other and sort of commiserate with each other and sort of learn from each other. And they do podcasts. They do all kinds of resources for moms. And I think what I'm most impressed about with Power of Moms is that it's it's not a top-down organization. It's not just Saren and April sort of spewing out what they know about motherhood. It's an involving thing. For example, correct me if I get these numbers wrong, Linda, but they've published two or three books now, but the the latest one uh, contains articles from 60 different moms, and these were selected from over 400 submissions on articles on motherhood and put into this one book called Deliberate Motherhood. They have, and they have done an amazing job of collecting very purposeful mothers who are also excellent writers and mothers who just needed a way to get their ideas to other mothers because even though they're struggling, they are outstanding mothers who have figured out how to survive and how to really do it well. And so some of these writers are just phenomenal. So now they have a board of people that are just so incredible. People send in um, articles all the time. They have an editor that goes through and said, has, says, you know, either this is great, publish it, or they say, um, work on this part, work on this part, and send it back to us. So, they're, you know, it's not like they're publishing everything that comes to them. The, the, the things that are really worthwhile make it online. They also interview authors, and they did one a little bit ago, I think it's Gretchen Rubin who did the Happiness Project, um, very popular. I think it's a New York Times bestseller, and they interviewed her, and uh, she gave some great ideas. 
Um, they do all kinds of interviews and and podcasts. You know, as as those of you who are young mothers know, you can just um, you can download them and you can uh, take them with you on a walk or while you're ironing or if you iron or <laughs> washing. I'm sure you all wash uh, while you're folding wash. You just listen to those podcasts and it just gives you a list for the day. It's pretty darn amazing. So. You might detect in our voices a little bit of good pride. There is such a thing as good pride when it's pride in your kids. But go and check out powerofmoms.com. It'll it'll blow you away with all the resources that are there for moms. In fact, they are doing a special, I think, right now on Alexander's Amazing Adventures, which is something that we started many years ago. Uh, CDs of teaching 12 values one at a time, a month at a time. And um, they have a great deal on it. Saren has now written a wonderful uh, guide that parents can use to get a conversation going at dinner or a family home evening. Um, About teaching values, or basic values. In the car, where we're kids. just teaching honesty, courage, and respect, and all those things that every parent wants for their kids. Now, let's give you another example. Daughter number two... And, you know, this is interesting because just saying this will spark a lot of recognition in many of you listeners. Our second daughter is Shawnee, Shawnee Iyer-Pothier. They live in Gilbert, Arizona. And here, a few years ago, Shawnee started a blog. And I thought, well, I'll be honest. I don't, I've never told Shawnee this, but I thought, well, that's a great endeavor, Shawnee, because it'll keep track of your family. It'll become yeah, a great family history. history for your family. But don't expect it to go anywhere. I mean, there's so many blogs out there. And uh, and I don't think she did expect it to yeah, go anywhere. She I don't did think it as a family did. history. Well, bottom line, she now gets more than a million hits every month. And I said to her recently, you know, Shawnee, it's a little discouraging for me here. You know, people laud Linda and I as New York Times number one best-selling authors, but guess what? That number one bestseller has had less people read it than you have read your blog every single month. <laughs> <laughs> so there, Dad. Anyway, it really we are so thrilled. Uh, she's a wonderful photographer, so the photography is beautiful. But, you know, she doesn't just tell the good and the squeaky clean stuff. She tells the bad and the ugly as well. But it's all about her family. And, and so we'll go out to the not recent, well, fairly recently. We're in California speaking to a big group of parents. And not long before that, we were in Latin America and South America. And almost everywhere we go, I'm thinking of those two where young moms came up and said, you're Shawnee's parents. Oh, my goodness, you're Shawnee's. That's what's funny about our lives now is that uh, if we're famous in any way, it's it's for being the parents of some of these kids. And, and Shawnee's blog really gives you a candid inside look at a family that has its problems but that is struggling to make the family the first priority, which is pretty exciting. And and not only that, there's also recipes, there's also some decorating, some things that she's doing right now, um, speeches that she's making to the different groups, and and she it isn't just her family. I mean, it is all families. She is really good at at 
identifying really good families and telling what they do well. And I just, well, of course, she's our daughter. We're a little bit prejudiced, I have to say, but look at 71toes.com. Yeah, let's, 71toes.com. Let's the the, the, the uh, name of the blog's obviously a little curious. 71 as numbers, 71toes, T-O-E-S, dot com. And that came about through the interesting fact that their fifth child was born with an extra toe. So at that point in their family, they had 71 toes. Now, again, we're going to carry on with this a little in the second half of the show, but lest you think that we are just using the whole show to brag about our kids, the reason that we're talking about this sort of thing is what's happened in the last few years, not just with our daughters and with other people that we know, but sort of universally, is there has sprouted a whole new genre of parents talking to each other about their concerns in raising their family. And and what the research shows is that a lot of parents actually get more help by reading a blog or talking to a friend or commiserating with someone else going in their online. same situation, going online, than they do by reading some parenting book. And so... It's a phenomenon that we applaud, and we're going to take a brief break and then come back and tell you a little more about some of our other kids and what they have done about strengthening families. already turned off the radio because you're sick of hearing about our kids. Who are these people bragging about their kids? Um, But they really have done a quite phenomenal job. Um, We have other children as well who are doing wonderful things. What I was going to say, Linda, is we get, it's interesting how often we get asked about our kids. Um, Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes in genuine curiosity and sometimes in the hopes that one of them is an axe murderer or something, we... (laughs) In fact, when we did a whole hour on the Oprah show once, I, I still think about this, and it makes me smile. They opened it to questions Oprah did toward the end of the show. And one woman who seemed very troubled for who knows what reasons sort of asked a hostile question. She said, well, I understand you have nine children, and uh, I only see seven of them here. Where are the other two? And it was like she was hoping they were in a penitentiary somewhere. Or At least a rehab center. <laughs> and, and, and Oprah happened to know, and we didn't answer it. Oprah said, well, actually, their other two are doing humanitarian missions for their church in Eastern Europe. And this woman's like, ah! <laughs> but that's not to imply that all our children are perfect. But we are, we are, we are proud of them, and we're sort of amazed at how many have now pursued, without any any urging from us, careers which are at least tangentially related to sort of the family goal of strengthening families. We have a, a son who teaches the third grade and is a remarkable third grade teacher. We have three sons who happen to work for the same company, and they they chose this company largely because they feel it's making such a contribution. It's a it's a company called Imagine Learning, actually headquartered in Utah, 
but pretty much spread throughout the country and somewhat internationally now. And its whole goal is to teach English as a foreign language to kids who come into the country. And I like what one of our sons says. He says, you know, he, he happens to work in Washington, D.C., and he says, Dad and Mom, the kids uh, come in as immigrants, and essentially they have one of two choices. They can either learn English or they can join a gang. Those are their two options. And he says, we feel a real contribution in working for this software company that has remarkable sort of pace-yourself type programs that are sold to schools and that help kids learn English much more rapidly than they could otherwise learn it and therefore get assimilated into the culture and so on. And they also strengthen their families because those kids end up being the first one in many of these families that come into this country, and they go home and essentially teach English to their parents. We also have a daughter who is an amazing writer. She has a blog of her own, um, which we are so grateful for because all of our children live far, far away from us. They're in New York, D.C., Boston, San Diego, Palo Alto, two in Phoenix, uh, one in Hawaii, and one in Ogden, Utah. <laughs> and it really is amazing how a blog keeps us in touch with what they're doing. And we absolutely love it. And the wives of our sons have, have also done blogs, and it's a delight to be in touch. We are so grateful for the internet. Um, and we'll bring, the, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But it really is quite incredible what they've done and what this one daughter's done. She may be our best writer. She's such a good deep thinker, and uh, it's delightful to read what she does. This is Sadie. For those of you who know various members of the Iyer family. Um, and our youngest daughter, Charity, who is also an exceptional writer. I mean, it sounds like we're yeah, just she... sitting here bragging, but uh, they they amaze us in many, many instances. And uh, Charity, by the way, has also been working for uh, quite some time until recently for Clayton Christensen for his think tank, called InnoSight, and they are working on blended learning, on on models for helping schools to adopt a lot of online learning and to balance it with the classroom instruction to maximize kids' education. A lot of a lot of what families need, as most all of us would acknowledge, has to do with education and with making education more efficient and more effective in this country. So you get an idea. Well, let me just add that she's now left at the Clayton, Clayton Christensen Institute to go to the real world. She was doing research there. Now she's applying this in a real school, in a middle school, and uh, in a center city middle, middle school. And boy, does she have her hands full. In fact, she substituted today. We've got to call her. We've got to see if she yeah, survives. that's right. But um, she is really... Um, making a difference in these kids' lives who really don't have anything, any anchor to hang on to at home. And one more of our children we want to tell you about briefly before we wrap up by talking about a remarkable conference that we participated in this last year right here, this last week right here in Utah, the First Lady, uh, Jeanette Herbert, and her husband, Governor Gary Herbert, put on a remarkable conference. We were honored to be there 
keynote speakers, and we'll tell you about that in just a minute. But I want to mention one other son we have who um, <laughs> one of our latest books that many of you know about is called The Entitlement Trap. And the whole essence of the book is trying to fight this incredible enemy of families uh, called entitlement. The biggest single problem that parents acknowledge in America today is an entitlement attitude among their kids. We've talked about it on the show before, so we won't go into detail, but we know what that means. Kids who think the world owes them a living and they should have whatever they want right when they want it and not have to give up anything for it. And that's an insidious sort of a factor that gets in the way of kids' motivation and gets in the way of their ability to become independent and strong individuals. So anyway, we, you know, we've been working a lot lately on the Entitlement Trap book and on things that surround it. But it always occurs to us that one of our sons, Jonah, who now lives with his family, his beautiful family in Maui, in, in Hawaii, has gone so far beyond what we had ever prescribed. And without getting into a lot of detail, let's just say we're encouraging Jonah and his wife Asia to write a book at some point about raising self-sufficient kids. They live a remarkable lifestyle where their kids really get out early in their lives and become little entrepreneurs. Their little 12-year-old has raised money like you would not believe. She pays for everything. She bought herself a horse. She pays for her swimming lessons. She pays for everything she wants, all of her personal effects. It sounds almost impossible. Well, I think but she's a she's a she's a self reliant, almost completely self sufficient twelve year old. Yeah, she is quite amazing. In fact, she's done the radio show with us a couple of times and had if you've heard that uh, little session that we had with her, she's just remarkable. She just came that way. And it is quite a deal. I mean, she's always doing a lemonade stand. She she earned that money for the horse by going around with a toilet brush in her hand to the neighborhood and saying, I would like to clean your toilet because I'm trying to earn money for a horse. And, and uh, you know, this is a neighborhood where you could do that. Probably in every neighborhood that may not work, but uh, they were living in Washington State up on the Olympic Peninsula. And honestly, she bought feed for that horse and... One of our kids said, Anison, did you get your horses shoed? Shod? Is it shod? Anyway. Um, How did you pay the farrier? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't possibly do that. That costs more than the whole horse. You know? And so it really is so fun to see these kids take the baton and run with it, especially when they have that little inner fire to start with, which she really does. So the bottom line, we just we, we get so many questions about our kids. We're not implying that we have some family business and they've all become a part of it. They all are their own people, believe me. They're all strong-minded and independent. But it is interesting that to some degree – each of them have made and are making a contribution to the betterment of families, to the strengthening of families, which makes us very pleased. Now, last week we had a great opportunity to be the keynoters at the First Ladies Uplift Parenting Conference that was held down in Provo, Utah, and had a remarkable attendance, a full house, and we were joined by a lot of other great speakers and experts on various aspects 
of parenting. And it was another example of what we're seeing more and more of now, which is parents rallying together in one form or another and essentially saying, wow, you know, we really are interested in improving our parenting. And we think of parenting not as some instinctive thing that you just do, but actually is something that we can improve on and get better at and strengthen ourselves. That was a great conference. It was really fun. Stephanie Nielsen was there, who's also a big blogger, many of you would recognize. And uh, also Chad Lewis, the great football player from BYU, did a fabulous job. All of them were just outstanding in what they had to say. But before we close, I have to say that this week, this coming week, we're going to be in Arizona at another thing that is fighting for families, um, speaking of, you mentioned that earlier. And uh, this is really an amazingly well-organized conference fighting pornography, which is so huge in our lives today with the Internet and with all that's going on and all the sadness that it brings to families. So we're excited to do that. It's on November 2nd in Arizona. I think it's Gilbert. It's, I think it's in Mesa. Mesa. Since yeah, we've Mesa. mentioned our do- one of our daughters lives there, the one that does the 71toes.com. And if you're interested, if you live in that area, take a look on her blog. She featured the conference. And as you say, Linda, it's, it's focused on helping kids avoid what some are now saying is the most serious addiction that that happens in this country, more serious than drug addictions, and that is pornography addiction. So we're going to go down there and give the closing keynote and, and our part to play. We'll talk a little about our book, How to Talk to Your Child About Sex, but our, the name of our closing keynote is very interesting, and this was assigned to us. It's called Strong Families, Strong Communities, Strong Nation. And we couldn't resist uh, addressing that topic because that's our whole theme, is that family is the basic unit of society. And if families decline, it is totally and completely inevitable that society will decline also. And at the same token, If families are improved systematically by working at it, by prioritizing our children and our spouses, then without question, society will strengthen and remain strong, not only in terms of its morals and its values, but indeed in terms of its economy and its viability in the world, because it all starts and ends with the family. Now, you all know that, but... We need to remind each other of it every once in a while. Linda, close us out and tell them to come back next week. We appreciate your listening, and we know that you're doing a great job with your own family, wherever you are, parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, um, mentor. We appreciate all you do for families, and we will see you again very soon on Ayers on the Road. 